Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome everyone. Here we are, as you all know this year, celebrating ADA 25, the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and so excited that tomorrow the Disability Museum on Wheels will be right here in Pittsburgh with a curator and artifacts. This uh, trailer is going around the United States. We'll soon be at Times Square, so we're really excited, but not as excited as I am today with our guest. All I can say is, wow, that's it. Can't think of any other word. Not only is he my friend, you probably all know him because he is a national leader in the United States, a great statesman, a leader in the disability community. His entire family, they've done so much for Americans with disabilities, such as his great father, Senator Edward Kennedy, who we will be talking about. He is my friend. Welcome to the show, Ted Kennedy. Thank you, Joyce Bender. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I, I've really enjoyed listening to your program and, uh, of course, uh, all learning about the, the, the disability rights movement, keeping track of the exciting civil rights struggle that we're all engaged in. So I'm, I'm really pleased and honored to be invited on your show. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show. So, Ted, first, I want to congratulate you on this past November being elected as state senator in the Connecticut General Assembly. And I can say on that historic day where you gave that acceptance speech at the library in Brantford that I was there, which was so exciting. And I will mention something about that in a little bit. But tell me. Senator Kennedy, what does that mean to you? Well, um, running for public office um, was something that, you know, I'd considered my whole life. I'm, I'm uh, you know, 53 years old. Um, it's something I thought about doing earlier in my life, but it just didn't seem right because I really wanted to take the time to develop my own um, expertise and experience, both as uh, an attorney and, you know, and just, you know, the experience and maturity that comes with, you know, being a parent. And now that my kids are out of the house, it kind of gives me an opportunity to, to give back in, in many ways, running for uh, political office is just a natural extension of my life's work, which is, you know, Joyce, the two of us have worked so long together on expanding the rights and opportunities for people with disabilities and um, being in the state legislature where so much action is these days. Um, we hear about gridlock and partisanship in Washington, D.C., and that's true. Um, it's, it's, it's a different story in the state capitals around the country where so much public policy is made um, so many advancements um, uh, and models um, of inclusion 
are taking place at the state level, which are really the laboratories of democracy, and then replicated um, at the federal level. So, um, so I'm really um, excited about being a representative um, in the state of Connecticut and um, and serving, you know, serving my incredible district along the Connecticut shoreline. And of course, it meant a lot to me, Joyce, that you took the time <clears throat> to be there at my announcement and. Uh, are, 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 have been cheering me on. So I appreciate that. Well, it was a great honor, and I just want to mention to all the citizens of Connecticut and across the country, talk about caring about jobs. I'm not kidding you. At least, uh, I don't know, a qu- two-thirds during the speech Ted talked about uh, jobs for people with disabilities and employment and how he's committed to the disability community. Um, and I know that you will be bringing jobs to Connecticut just by moving people with disabilities off dependency, Social Security, and making them taxpayers. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and what else are you going to do? What are you going to do for your constituents with disabilities and families of people with disabilities in your district? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I know, Joyce, we've had the chance to work together on, on expanding job opportunities for people, and um, I served on the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities back when Ronald Reagan was President of the United States. That's how long I've been involved in this uh, you know, uh, movement, and I remember um, having an opportunity to be appointed uh, on that board. It's a presidential board, um, and speaking to my father, and I said, um, "Should I do this? You know, it's a Republican president. Um, should I go on this board?" And my father said, "Absolutely. Um, disability issues are should not be politicized because, after all." Um, you know, it crosses all socioeconomic political boundaries. And I think we've been very lucky, Joyce, that we've really worked in a, su- such a collaborative way between Democrats and Republicans historically, in, um, in, whether it's in health care or in job creation, in civil rights, on so many different fronts, um, you know, uh, joining hands together in, in really a rare um, uh, you know, constellation of different issues that the Democrats and Republicans have been able to work together. So I'm continuing that at the state level. Um, I'm working, as you know, in addition to doing work in the, in the area of disability law, I also do health care law. And we are um, uh, expanding uh, home and community-based care in Connecticut um, in, in a really national way. Um, one specific example is the concept of presumptive eligibility. Um, presumptive eligibility for Medicaid means that if you, are, typically it takes about four to six months to, to be declared eligible for Medicaid. And, and in, uh, it, right, right now, you can go almost immediately into a nursing home or skilled nursing care. They'll approve that, but not so for home care. 
And we know that so many Americans, uh, older Americans and people with disabilities, would much prefer to be living in their own home where they can live more independently and, of course, far cheaper um, than, than institutional care. And so we're continuing that, um, that movement at the state level, making it far easier for people to avail themselves of home and community-based care uh, as opposed to uh, more institutional care. That's just one example. And, of course, we're working together, Joyce, together with so many businesses in Connecticut, United Technologies, uh, Cigna, um, other co- corporations who are really um, doing their part to expand job opportunities in Connecticut. And so, um, you know, the list, the transportation, housing, um, in many ways, um, you know, the issues that uh, impact people with disabilities are, 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 you know, similar to the able-bodied population. It's, uh, you know, it's wanting to get a good education, wanting to live in your own apartment, uh, be able to, the mobility issues, you know, take public transportation and the trains and buses and, and whatnot. Um, so, you know, those are the things that we'll continue to work on. And it's been 25 years since the ADA was signed into law. I can remember being in the Rose Garden um, when President Bush signed that document. It was an incredible day, uh, and we've got a lot to celebrate. Wow, I can't imagine what that was like. It must well, have been I was there, uh, you know, with Pat Wright and with, you know, Mark Bristow and, and so many um, leaders. Of course, my father worked in concert with people like Tony Quello, who's been such an outspoken advocate um, for people with disabilities. But, you know, for my family, Joyce, um, you know, this issue is a personal issue. Um, of course, you know my history of having lost my leg to bone cancer when I was only 12 years old, and that prompted my own involvement in the disability movement. But my family has been very involved, the Kennedy family, since um, really sparked into action by uh, my Aunt Rosemary, uh, my father's sister, who was born with an intellectual disability, um, and really... Um, you know, my family faced firsthand uh, the the social exclusion, uh, the 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 prejudice, the stereotypes that impact so many people with disabilities. They tried to get her, uh, you know, education. There was no education, of course, uh, for people with disabilities. Uh, they were told by doctors that they should that she should just be sent off. Um, there was nothing they could do for her. Um, and so my family, uh, you know, got involved and really tried to um, bring this issue to the forefront and really talk about it. Um, you know, at the, we called it mental retardation at the time. It's now, you know, termed intellectual disability. But at the time, many families did not talk about their children with disabilities. They, they hid them. They were almost, many of them, not all, but many were just embarrassed by the, their disabled uh, children, and and uh, today we're so lucky that you know parents don't feel that anymore. They're they're proud of their children uh, with disabilities. They know the incredible accomplishments that people with disabilities can make, um, and the important contributions they can make to family life and to the workplace, et cetera. But 
you know, it was when my uncle uh, Jack became president in the early 1960s, uh, he convened the first ever uh, presidential conference on mental retardation. Again, that's what it was called at the time. And um, for the first time, uh, the president of the United States talked about his sister uh, with an intellectual disability and and really raised the, and people thought, wow, here he is, the most powerful man in the world, and he has a family member with a disability. And I think it really impacted my, my uncle's and certainly my father's perspective about the issues facing people with disabilities around the world. They saw firsthand the unfairness, uh, the, you know, the fact that Rosemary, you know, was seldom invited to a birthday party and just little things like that, that of course all of us with disabilities know, uh, is, is, is true. Um, and they really, um, it really helped them, I think, have empathy and understanding of the, 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 the core issues that people with disabilities face. And, and so I'm just, I, and then of course my aunt Eunice Schreiber, uh, created the Special Olympics, which is now a worldwide organization. I know many of your listeners, uh, are familiar with, you know, Special Olympics programs in, in, in their respective countries around the world. And it's, it's more than just an athletic or organization. It really is a movement and people getting together, families getting together and recognizing that, you know, in, in, you know, that their children, that their family members deserve equal opportunity, deserve to make a contribution. And, uh, it's, it's just amazing the impact that my aunt Eunice Kennedy Schreiber has had on the lives of, of people with disabilities around the world. Wow, isn't it something that can happen from one family? And, and that is Special Olympics, so great. Actually, I have to get more involved with that because it's at the young age <clears throat> that people start being bullied, which is a big thing to me. But your family has done so much for people with intellectual disabilities and all disabilities. But I don't want to take up uh, a caller's on the line here. I don't want to take up his time. Caller, are you there? Hello, Joyce. It's Mark Boxer from Cigna calling. How are you? Hey, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. So, Joyce, first of all, you know, as a customer of the services you provide through Bender Consulting, I can't say enough about the quality of the talent that we source from your team right here at the Cigna. You know, those employees that we've brought on board, they help us service our clients every single day. And so for those on the lot, I encourage those who have not engaged with Bender Consulting to do so. It is a very, very powerful market-driven model. And, Joyce, I'm looking forward to being in Pittsburgh with you tomorrow, as the museum makes its presence felt in that community. But um, Senator Kennedy, Ted, uh, first of all, thank you for what you do every single day for the disability community. It's making a real and tangible difference. And as a Connecticut resident myself, we are privileged, we are honored to have you serving in our General Assembly. Um, as we all know, this is about employment and it's about jobs. It's about the freedom that employment gives to all of us. So I want to thank you for your commitment to the cause. You visited here with us at Cigna, and your talk, your insights, your passion inspired us to work even harder to find employment for those with disabilities. So to that point, I want to make an offer. I would be very, very pleased to co-host with you an event here in Connecticut and invite other corporations to come together to find a path to work together to deliver on the promise of employment that you have you've shared with us today. It's going to take public and private partnerships to make the vision real. We know that, but I stand ready to help. So please know how honored we are to have you with us in the state 
and we all recognize what you're doing to advance the collective agenda and deliver on the promise of employment for all, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Um, I, I, I know uh, I really appreciate your personal commitment to this effort and that of Cigna, which is, of course, a very important company to the state of Connecticut, and having business leaders like you uh, help carry the message because we know that when you give somebody a job, you give them their freedom. You give them self, uh, self-sufficiently, self-sufficiency um, and self-respect, and, um, and I just think I can't thank you enough, Mark, for everything that you're doing to give people an opportunity to work. Again, people with disabilities do not want a handout. They want an opportunity to make a contribution, and, and I think, you know, one of the things about the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, it's been very successful in many ways as we reflect 25 years later, very successful in terms of alleviating a lot of the architectural barriers, the, the curb cuts, um, the, the, the elevators, the other types of uh, the widening of doors and bathrooms, etc. cetera. Um, but we still have a lot to do with regard to um, expanding job opportunities for people with disabilities. And so um, we really appreciate the work of you and other Connecticut corporations to make that happen. Well, thank you. And again, the offer stands. We'd love to co-host an event with you at any time. Thank you well, so Mark, much. And I'm Mark, going to take you up on that. I will call you about use. that because that is a great idea. Um, I remember a long time ago <clears throat> when Ted said, you know what you need? You need executive CEOs or just high-level executives at one company talking to another company, you know, because who else would they listen to more? So I think that's a great offer, and I just want to say Mark has not just been working with me since Cigna. He's been working with me for a long time, all the way back to when he was working with Larry Glasscock at WellPoint um, and is just a great friend, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow, Mark. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks for calling. And see, that's what it's all about, Ted, employment. That is, right now, that is what it's, that is what it's all about. You know that's our last great barrier. It certainly is. And, um, and so, you know, we, we, con- we continue to, to raise awareness about this critical issue. And, um, and the fact is there's so many, you know, highly qualified people with disabilities who are ready and able and willing to work and still can't get a job, not because they can't do the job, but because of outdated stereotypes and misperceptions about um, their capabilities. Um, so I think it's great that people like Mark Boxer and others um, are willing to really be a voice for this movement. Well, another company like that is United Technologies Corporation, thanks to you and introducing me uh, to them. And they just started hiring people, and they, too, would like to um, do something later this fall in Connecticut, mainly to show families and citizens in Connecticut that, you know, we have a champion, which is you, but that people 
want to work and can work once that discrimination comes down. You know, and when I was saying before about your father, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I can't even imagine. I never thought about this, actually, until I was thinking about this radio show, how it must make you feel when people call you Senator Kennedy. Well, you know, around my district in Connecticut, I like to be called Ted Choice, <laughs> because in many ways there can really only be one Senator Kennedy, and that's my dad. Um, you know, I think he was so involved in the disability movement, uh, as I mentioned, because of my family's involvement in these issues and because it was so personal to him, but also because he recognized the disability movement as the extension of the civil rights movement that he worked so hard on in the early 1960s and, um, and the other movements that followed it, the women's movement, the uh, gay rights movement, and now the final frontier, which is the disability rights movement, um, and recognizing that it's really not a person's physical or mental condition that creates the disability. It's not. It's society's perception about that condition that really leads to a lot of the problems and the disabling situations that people with disabilities encounter. And so um, in the Americans with Disabilities Act, the preamble actually says, um, recognizes um, society's discrimination against people with disabilities is a grave and pervasive social problem. So the ADA is really not designed to help individual with people with disabilities as much as it's trying to change public perception. And the preamble of the Americans with Disabilities Act reflects nearly word for word the preamble of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And once people around the world kind of uh, uh, viewed their struggle, our struggle, as a, dis as a civil rights uh, struggle and not, you know, so we need to change the perception of people with disabilities for years. You and I grew up in a culture that viewed people with disabilities as objects of charity, um, that we should feel sorry for people with disabilities and that we should send our money to organizations that would help, quote unquote, take care of people with disabilities. But you and I have a different idea, and that is that, you know, we don't want people to feel sorry for us. We want people to give us an opportunity and so that we can become contributing members of society. And that is a new idea that's taking hold and I think is the future of the disability movement. And I do, too. And you're right. People with disabilities want to work. They just want a chance to work. Uh, as I know, you've heard me say many times, they want paychecks, not pity, and that is so true. Um, but getting back for a moment uh, to you, you were talking about your own disability um, when you lost your leg to cancer as a young man. But I heard you speak once, and I remember you telling some story about meeting another young uh, man at the same time that needed a prosthesis. Uh, is that right? Yeah, well, I remember being in the hospital yeah. um, 
and after I, I had a, about two years of chemotherapy um, after I lost my leg, uh, two years of chemotherapy uh, to make sure that the cancer th- throughout my body was 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 um, was killed. And I remember meeting uh, uh, another young boy who also lost his leg to to cancer. And I asked him, um, and but he did not. He was not wearing an artificial leg. He was walking on crutches. And I remember asking him. This is when I was probably thirteen or fourteen years old. I asked him, you know, why he wasn't wearing an artificial leg. I I said, you know, is it too uncomfortable? Is it too painful? Because sometimes it, it is uncomfortable or painful for somebody to wear an artificial leg. And he said, no. I would love to wear an artificial leg, but my parents can't afford one. And I remember just how kind of shocked I was and also simultaneously so grateful for my own good fortune in my family that I didn't have, wasn't faced with that same situation. And I remember feeling how unfair that was, uh, that, you know, that he, his parents, because of their financial situation, couldn't even afford an artificial leg for him. And this was in the United States of America. And, um, and I remember feeling at that time, um, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life at that time. Of course, I was so young, but I knew I wanted to do something to help people like him to make sure that that didn't happen to other people. Yeah. Wow. That would definitely have an impact on anyone. Well, it did on me because I remembered that story. And I thought, wow, that had to have an incredible impact on you. Um, but getting back to your father, Senator Kennedy, uh, as we've been talking about this year, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the signing of the ADA. And I wanted to recognize uh, and talk about your father. This is, of course, uh, July, the month that we're celebrating the uh, signing of the ADA, the 25th anniversary. And your father was very key to all of this happening. I, I wondered if you could just talk about him a little bit. Uh, I can't imagine what that meant to him that day. Um, and I know, even after that, any time the disability community would need something, they would say, oh, we better call Senator Kennedy. I mean, he just so embodied the trust of the disability community, and I'm sure growing up with him as his son, you saw all of this. But, but what did that mean to him that day? Well, you know, I was really proud of my father's involvement and leadership in, you know, in the Americans with Disabilities Act and then so many others. Um, pieces of legislation, Joyce. Before that, he worked with then-Senator Lowell Weicker, Republican of Connecticut, on the Education of All Handicapped Children Act back back in uh, the mid-1970s. And, you know, it's hard to believe, but up until the mid-1970s, children with disabilities were not, uh, uh, did not have the right uh, to a public education in the United States of America. Um, and so that slowly evolved, first in education, and then finally was the frontier of making sure that we built a society 
um, where people, despite their mobility, visual, hearing, or other types of impairments, people would be able to access public accommodations, that public libraries, theaters, restaurants, all of those, the things that people just take for granted. And it's hard to believe that, you know, for somebody, uh, of course, with, uh, with, uh, who uses a wheelchair, you know, a flight of stairs is like a sign saying whites only. Um, and it's hard to believe that people would have to fight for the right to be able to use the bathroom. You and I know that if we really need to use the bathroom, we can't get to the bathroom quick, quickly enough. Um, well, you can imagine uh, for somebody who, with a mobility impairment using a wheelchair where, you know, they just didn't know where they would be able to go. And to think that we were just fighting for, so that people could use the bathroom is, is a little hard to believe. Um, we were, of course, we know the struggle for um, equality in transportation, and people have equated, you know, of course, Rosa Parks, uh, uh, having to sit in the back of the bus when uh, people using wheelchairs, of course, couldn't even get on the bus at all um, because uh, of inaccessible public transportation. So my father saw these, um, you know, saw these situations, and um, and he worked very collaboratively. One of the secrets to his success was his ability to work across the aisle and to work, you know, with his Republican colleagues, uh, and of course, Senator Bob Dole, uh, Orrin Hatch, Lowell Weicker, uh, and, and a host of others who were his partners in, in, um, in, in mental health parity. He worked with Senator Domenici, um, and, you know, so many other people whose families or they'd been affected by uh, disability in some way, and it was... It, it was a, a way for them to really uh, collaborate on issues uh, together. And so my dad, um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, he was just one of the people who was able to, I think, um, you know, get people together. I remember him telling me that, you know, the ADA would not have happened unless all the different disability organizations got together and put aside their individual priorities, right, of whether they were you, their Alzheimer's or cerebral palsy or uh, intellectual disabilities or autism or paraplegia. I mean, there's so many different types of disabilities, but only until people kind of put aside their individual type of priorities to work on the global, the global issues that impact each and every person with a disability and we were able to get all the different disability organizations to work in concert with each other and recognize that when discrimination exists against one person with a disability, it exists against all people with disabilities. And that really enabled people, for example, with visual impairments to join together with their brothers and sisters who used wheelchairs to fight for accessible public transportation. And it enabled people who may use wheelchairs to fight on behalf of their visually impaired brothers and sisters for accessible, for accessible screen readers and Internet accessibility so that visually impaired people could have access to the World Wide Web. And that is the power that we have, Joyce. 
One of the unique things that, that I think people have recognized is that people with disabilities have become a powerful political force in the United States. We, we are um, in, so many, uh, in so many elections that are, that are held in the United States. We know presidential elections are extremely close. Um, they have been uh, historically in the last 20 years. And a number of congressional and senatorial seats are won by, you know, 51, 49, 52, 48%, et cetera. Well, people with disabilities represent a huge voting block, and it's been very untapped. I, I know that you and I have worked together to try to make sure that people with disabilities are, uh, become registered to vote, because the vote is the currency in our political system. And now you have more and more candidates now paying attention to disability issues, uh, not necessarily because they think it's the greatest thing in the world. They know that they have to speak to us uh, because, you know, e- because even though we might not represent a huge percentage of the voting population, we're enough to tip the balance of power in any particular election. And I'm really glad to see that, that, that presidential candidates and senatorial candidates and even local candidates are beginning to, to speak about these issues. Just in my district alone, in Connecticut, I represent about 110,000 people. I estimate that there's about 15,000 people with disabilities in my district, right? And so it impacts so many different, um, uh, whether you have uh, an, an elderly parent, an older parent, uh, with a visual mobility hearing impairment, um, or you may have a child with autism, which is a, you know we all know is on the rise, or so many other different types of disabilities. Um, we need to harness that strength um, uh, that we have and get people to start responding to the issues that we care about. Yes, and as you said, and I want everyone listening, you've got to register to vote. You've got to. Re- we are the really big silent majority. You've got to register. Wow. Just think what an impact we could have if just X amount of millions would register to vote. So you've got to register to vote. You've got to do that. Um, So, Ted, I wanted to ask you a question about the 25th anniversary. What do you hope will happen over the next 25 years? Well, I, I, what I see happening in the net, over the next 25 years is I would like to see the same kind of transformation that's happened with, you know, other disenfranchised groups. Um, you know, just take, for example, you know, the gay rights community. Who could have thought that even in the last 10 years we went from the Defense Against Marriage Act, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, into a, the, 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 the groundbreaking Supreme Court decision, finally granting full rights um, to, um, to our gay uh, brothers and sisters in America. I'd like to see that same type of trans- transformation happen in the area of, of, of disability, and I think it will. Um, I remember, as I said a few moments ago, um, where parents were ashamed not all of them, but many of them, were ashamed of their children with disabilities. And I now see uh, parents 
who talk about their uh, disabled children all the time, people with disabilities themselves becoming self-advocates. All of us can be advocates. I remember, um, you know, speaking to um, a youth uh, leadership conference and telling with pe- for people with disabilities and saying, you know, eat, everybody here in this room can be an advocate. And somebody came up to me and said, I've never testified before. I don't know what to do. How can I possibly be an advocate? And I said, you are the perfect advocate. You are the perfect advocate because what we need is authenticity. What we need is passion. Those are the two critical ingredients. You don't need to be a brilliant orator. You just need to be able to tell your story, and people will listen. Uh, People will respond uh, to people's stories. And I think that now people are are joining together, uh, parents, uh, people with disabilities themselves, as I said, becoming self-advocates. And so I see we have, of course, Joyce, we all know. We haven't talked about it so far on the program, but we have the aging of America. I know this is happening in other countries around the world, but in our demographic in the United States, we have 10,000 people a day turning age 65. What we're talking about is, you know, creating a society where people can have much more, you know, universal design is what I like to call it, not ADA design, but universal design so that people are not, you know, prisoners in their own homes. People can get out and access and have and be able to avail themselves of everything that our country has to offer. That's the principle and the spirit of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And we're going to see in our country an aging demographic that is really going to demand and require uh, a new change in how we uh, build our cities, how we plan our transportation systems, how we think about uh, independent living and apartment living, um, and so and you know how healthcare, how our healthcare dollars are spent. So um, I think it's an exciting time. Um, this the 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 Americans with Disabilities Act, of course, is only 25 years old. This area of the law is relatively young. Um, so it's an exciting time to be a part of this. And I think in 25 years from now, we're going to look back and say to ourselves, I can't believe the kinds of issues and struggles that people were fighting, you know, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, what people with disabilities had to go through uh, to simply get the same rights and opportunities as everybody else. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. Every time I speak somewhere, I say that. I say, just think, years in the future, people will look back and they'll say, do you remember they used to have meetings where they would have to talk to businesses and try to get them to hire people with disabilities? This would be like trying to get them to hire women or minorities. I mean, someday, I agree with you, we are going to say that. Um, and Ted, and I, know I think if have... I could just add, yes. you know, when we look at, like, for example, corporate America, and, you know, when we look at the corporate boards, these are the boards of directors of these large, you know, publicly traded corporations around the world. And now when we look at a corporate board, 
if we see a corporate board that doesn't have a woman on the corporate board or it doesn't have a person of color on their corporate board, people think there's something wrong with that corporation. They think that, that how, how um, backward can this corporation be? And I look forward to the day where people, their corporate America looks and, and starts recruiting people with disabilities on their corporate board. Um, because we represent such a huge market, because we have insight um, that, that just is a, a woman's perspective or, or another, other uh, diverse perspectives are needed, I look forward to the time where people with disabilities will run for office in greater numbers, uh, even if it's the local school board or the city council um, or the you know, or in the, the the general assembly, like in 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 a state like like what I've chosen to do, um, because the more people with disabilities see themselves as potential candidates and know that they have an important message and an important constituency, um, I think then we're going to have more of an input, and and so we need to do a much better job, I think, also in empowering our youth. Because, Joyce, I hate to tell you, but you and I aren't getting any younger. Well, you're, get, you're younger than me, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we aren't getting younger, but we need youth leaders. I know what you mean. Because if you ask people in the disability rights community, who are our disability leaders? Guess what? They named the same people you mentioned that were there when the ADA was signed. Yeah. You know what I so mean? So hopefully people who are listening to this program, you know, there are a number of colleges and universities around the country now that have programs called disability studies. Now, when I was in college, we had, uh, I, I, I remember there were college, a, a few colleges that had women's studies programs. And I, of course, I know there's now programs in African-American studies, but a handful there's about 10 I, that I'm aware of, there could be more, of university, uh, universities that have programs in disability studies. That's a new development, Joyce. Yeah, and, and I am proud to say at the University of Pittsburgh, Kate Seelman is there and Dr. Rory Cooper have done a great job with that, and I would encourage all... You know what? I just encourage you when you're listening to this show... Look, we have Ted Kennedy on here, someone at that level. And I tell all of you young people with disabilities, if you would meet him tomorrow, he would treat you the same as you would expect anyone to, not condescending. He would just say, get on board, be that advocate, the way he said he told that other person. Can't make change unless we do something about it. Ted, I have to ask you this. Before this show ends today, a couple last questions. But one, your father, if you had to think, uh, obviously, as you can tell, I very much admire your father and always will. I just think he is just a, just a wonderful, historic statesman that helped all of us so much. But what would you say is the one thing that impacted you the most that he taught you? Well, he, my dad taught me so many lessons, but I think the main thing that he imparted in me is um, that there, 
that that he had high expectations of me, Joyce, um, and he. He knew that, you know, when I was discouraged and lost my leg and I didn't think anybody, uh, all of my friends, I didn't think anyone would want to be my friend anymore. And, you know, I uh, was very self-conscious about my personal appearance and I didn't think any girl would ever want to go on a date with me because of my disability. And, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, in a very uh, vulnerable time in my life, in my teenage years. And... My father just always believed in me, and he had high expectations of me. And I think as a society, we need to have high expectations of people, of all people and people with disabilities. Sometimes, and I know this is true throughout history, we had very low expectations of people with disabilities. We never expected that somebody with disability would you know, go to college or be able to drive their own car or have a family of their own. I mean, these were like in a generation or two ago, we, they, people were just thought, well, they'll just be on public assistance their whole life. That was the concept in our society. We never envisioned people with disabilities being leaders, being contributors, being you know, having a, a, a job just like everybody else, becoming taxpaying citizens. And I think we all need to, you know, substantially raise the expectations of people with disabilities because when children with disabilities are in school growing up and they get these subtle messages from their teachers and others that, you know, the most they'll be able to do is, you know, is this, that, and, you know, they need to be, know that they can do anything that they want to do, okay? And so, and we need to enable people, with, give people the opportunities and the tools to be as successful as they possibly can in their lives. I think that that's what my father, he uh, always never let me get too discouraged and always made me think that there was nothing that I couldn't do. Wow. Well, he did a good job. I guess he already knew about that no pity, huh? He had that no pity down, your father. That's right. So, um... Well, I have to tell you something. As I'm sitting talking to you on the show here, I am looking at a poster of your father from that Hall of Honor induction that you and your brother signed yeah. because it is in my office. So while I'm talking to you, that is what I'm seeing. And uh, that reminds me that Secretary Perez, who is uh, at an event right now, was very excited that you were going to be on the show and sends his regards and admiration for all you are doing to help people with disabilities gain employment. Well, thank you. He, he, uh, Secretary Perez of the Department of Labor, he used to work with my dad um, many years ago. And, you know, I think, honestly, part of my father's success was the incredible team of people that he was able to assemble around him. And now, of course, they're all like an important uh, you know, positions themselves, and uh, but Tom Perez has been fantastic uh, advocate of, 
expanding job opportunities for people with disabilities. He knows that we can do the job, and um, and I'm, we're lucky to have you know a Department of Labor that's really committed to making sure that everyone can achieve you know maximum independence in the employment arena. Well, as we could only take um, a couple calls because I have to read these uh, comments to you. Uh, Tony Coelho is in a meeting he could not get out of, but he wanted me to uh, say what a wonderful job you have done in this country to help people with disabilities gain employment, and he uh, is behind you 100% in your position in Connecticut. Then, wait a minute, here we go, Chris Griffin. Chris Griffin, uh, who, as you know, your father nominated when she went to EEOC. Uh, congratulations, Ted. I have only the highest respect for you and your family. Um, and, and she is the new chair of the board of AAPD, and I am now on the board, so she is very excited to have you with us. That is great. We have got a lot of exciting things ahead of us at the board of AAPD. Yes, we do. Um, so, Ted, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I would just like to say, uh, you know, go back to the, what I was talking about a few moments ago, and that is all of us can be activists in our own life, in our own lives and in the disability rights movement. Um, and by that, I mean the most important thing is to go register to vote. And that is the way that we express ourselves politically. Now, I'm not going to tell people how to vote, but I think that to, to become uh, registered to vote is the most important thing. Secondly is, you know, to write to the presidential candidates and other candidates running for office. Ask them, what are you going to do to expand the rights and opportunities for people with disabilities? Because unless we write to them, unless we pose questions to them, we're not going to be on the radar screen, and we want to make sure that in the, current, the next presidential debate uh, and debates going forward, that these candidates address the topics that are of concern to the disability community. Third, I think that people can be, you know, active in their own lives. Uh, and also to people who are listening and are wondering, you know, how can I be involved in, in the disability? We are all, we can all play a part. Um, and I think that it's, 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 incredible uh, world out there, and I'm looking forward to work, continuing the work and encouraging the new generation of young disabled leaders. Awesome. Ted, first of all, uh, thank you. Uh, I know what an impact you've had on my life, but I know what you do for people with disabilities, and I know how generous you are. Uh, I know in Connecticut you will make an enormous difference. So, Thank you very much for being with us. Before we end the show, though, remember, everyone, uh, just as we did when we had Secretary Perez and other people on, I've reminded you, you can go to iTunes and download 
these shows. Thank you to Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Bear Corporation for sponsoring this show. And we end every show with a quote by someone that we believe has impacted America and the world. Here is the quote today, and it is about praising the passage of the ADA. The Americans with Disabilities Act will end the American apartheid. The act has the potential to become one of the great civil rights laws of our generation. Disabled citizens deserve the opportunity to work for a living, ride a bus, have access to public and commercial buildings, and do all the other things that the rest of us take for granted. Mindless physical barriers and outdated social attitudes have made them second-class citizens for too long. This legislation is a Bill of Rights for the Disabled, and America will be a better and fairer nation because of it, said President Edward Kennedy. Ted, thanks again so much. Thanks for having me on your show, Joyce, and thank you to all your listeners. All right, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What do former Secretary of State Colin Powell, actress Jane Seymour, and professional skateboarder Tony Hawk have in common? They're all featured speakers at Sage Summit. Join us in New Orleans to learn what's next for small and mid-sized businesses like yours. Interact with dreamers and doers and get the story from industry disruptors and market changers so you can bring their ideas and passion to your business. What will your story be? Sage Summit is July 27th through 30th in New Orleans. Register to reserve your place now at sagesummit.com. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.org. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit